Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, and as of now, a bunch of other places. A whole lot of other places you can find us. Just look us up, Real Estate in the 608. I'm Ben Anton. And I'm Adam Elliott. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a beggar. Thanks for waiting. That was The Waiting Song from Madison musician Seesaw. Again, welcome to Real Estate in 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Hey, Ben. It's episode 11. That's almost a dozen. That's two ones together. It's us two ones together. That's not, oh, that's a great way to think but about it. you and it. me, we add up to more than just two, Adam. We do, and we're spreading the word. It's we more add than up to 608. Oh, you better check your math on that one. I don't know how that happens, but, but it does. We added some other locations where you can find our podcast. So at your convenience, whatever your listening station you choose, be that Apple podcast soundcloud you can now see it on spotify you can see it on TuneIn. you can see it on stitcher you can see it on google play we're expanding the realm we're all over the place I we're know. like a we're like a dirty dollar bill that keeps showing up <laughs> is it that's not the that's, expression that's a, though what's the expression that's how i think about it oh, this is dirty is it dollar bill. a dirty dollar oh. bill <laughs> i learned today on a podcast that dirty is a euphemism for one's best friend Oh, she, they're my dirty? They're my dirty. Oh, uh, I wouldn't have guessed that one. I don't think it's as dirty as one might assume. No, I don't but think so. But more like, I sh- they know my dirt, or they know... Oh, gotcha. They know about... They have dirt on me? They have dirt on me. That may be the case, too. <laughs> but we have got a lot of information. We've got a lot to cover today. So yeah. let's let's get underway, yeah. Adam. None of which I would call it dirt, but it's certainly real estate in the 608 uh, that you are listening to right now is our podcast uh, for homeowners, landlords, people thinking about investment properties, people want to just be better at living in a house. Each month, we've got some things that you can kind of hang your head on that you know to expect. We're going to have the top of the hour tip. Someone from the Lauer Realty Group is going to be in. Um and give us just some some easy takeaway, like, what could I learn right now that's going to make it easier for me to live in the house? Mm-hmm. Uh, a little later in the hour, we're going to have the market update. You know, you're a buyer, you're a seller. What are some takeaways? What's happening right now uh, as the podcast is recorded? Uh, we also have a phone-in from Phil. Phil is my business partner in Deacon Housing uh, and also vice president of Plord Properties. But more important than his real estate work, he is a dairy commodities broker and someone who keeps a very close eye on, on, the, on the much bigger markets. And he will give us a look beyond the 608. Mm-hmm. But we do like to keep things local, and we feature local artists that you'll be hearing in between our chatterbox here as we go along. Yeah, local <laughs> musicians, people, people that I either sold a house to or... Or maybe somebody's mom. Oh, we should say who we are too. And I, I just I don't know if I feel comfortable in calling you my dirty. Maybe <laughs> if that's the expression, I'd rather just say you're my friend. After eleven episodes, Adam, <laughs> I'll be your dirty. I don't know if that's working for me, so we'll we'll work on that. But my name is uh, Adam Elliott. Uh, I am a homeowner. Uh, I'm a former news reporter, radio personality in the Madison area, and uh, we are here on a, on a real estate journey that you're guiding us through. And uh, I I'm Ben. Anton, uh, landlord, broker, associate at the Lauer Realty Group. And as we will discuss maybe in this episode and going forward, I am going to be a home. I'm, I'm in the process of buying a home, so we'll mm-hmm. have some things to talk about that with, with an upcoming guest. Uh, as of this last week, learned that I own a broken sewer lateral. Oh, no. So you, you may have- add broken sewer lateral owner to my long list of achievements. Do you have the insurance thing that they I ask? don't have the oh, insurance. No. So we'll talk okay. a little bit about that All as right. well as we as we 
as we meander down the broken sewer pipe we call we call real estate in 608. Now that's dirty for sure. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, we are going to bring our guest in studio a little later on, uh, Misha Peterson. Misha Peterson, last episode we had Monona famous Lindsay Wood Davis, mm-hmm. and now we've got Monona Bank famous Misha Peterson. Oh, so we're sticking around the Monona area. Well, she is actually a Shanks Corners mm. Monona name. All right. Uh, she is, what is the official title here? Senior Vice President and Mortgage Loan Consultant with Menorah Bank. All right. So what's been going on since last time, Ben? I walk around all day, all night. I walk around. I watch you sleep in the morning. Uh, since last time, I, Misha and I... Making final preparations uh, for closing on my new house on Main Street. Okay. So that's been exciting, and we can certainly... And, and, and it was been meeting a first-time buyer who didn't quite have a, a global view of the process that I thought, you know what? We didn't have a lender on yet. That's, yeah, one, of the, that's, that's right. one of the first people we're going to reach out to when we <laughs> want to buy a house. Why is it episode 11 and we haven't even had one on yet? Yeah, if you're not one of those people that carry the suitcase of... Uh, $3 million to buy the house, uh, you typically need the lender. You're going to need a bank. <laughs> so we'll be talk, We'll be learning a little bit more about that and, and a little bit even about my process. I mentioned the sewer lateral, so that's that's kind of a kind of a big deal, something weighing heavily. Uh, nice. we'll, that will hopefully, uh, by the time this episode drops, be a, a just a memory. All right. We'll let you know next episode exactly how much it costs. Very exciting. Uh, since last time for me, uh, schoolwork continues. This is We're in the midst of the semester, and we're getting close to uh, midterms. Might actually be past them by the time we air this, but uh, it's, it's a lot of hit in the books. We're learning a lot about uh, analytics and, and making decisions with analytics is what oh, I'm wow. studying. Yeah. The data. The data. And, it's and the new, you, know, you know what, Benjamin? What did he say? Plastics? Today's plastics? Data. Oh, yeah. That's, that's little, for those of you who did not get my garbled movie reference there, that was <laughs> The Graduate, 1971, <laughs> I believe. Uh, Benjamin, I got one word for you. Plastics. Adam, Adam, your word is data. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Let's talk about some big headlines. What's been going on from the headlines? Oh, boy. The, much more talk about the F-35s. We mentioned mm-hmm. it last month, and, and we're, we're back at it again. I uh, volunteered at a, uh, a rally-slash-festival held mm-hmm. in uh, Thurber Park yep. uh, in the beautiful village of Blooming Grove, uh-huh. um, which would be right inside that 65-decibel DNL, the day-night average level. Okay. So that's an area that will, have poten- will potentially be affected by... Uh, the addition of these F-35s. So so here's where I am, and you can decide where you are. It's loud. It's going to be louder. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are just like, well, okay, it's the airport, progress, mm-hmm. louder. Um, and and that, and even I I get that. You live by a busy road. If it gets busier, that's not, you can't, right. you should have anticipated that. But at one point, though, it gets loud enough that the government themselves deems an area incompatible with residential use. Mm -hmm. And now that doesn't mean just like probably don't want to live there. Because, again, you're like, well, hey, if it's cheap enough, you know what, maybe maybe I'm fine with that. The market will correct itself, right? But then all of a sudden we figure out that the market cannot correct itself, and this is why. In other situations where there have been homes affected in this same way, inside the 65-decibel DNL, day-night level average, mm-hmm. um, those homes, because they are no longer compatible, you're not compatible for residential use, cannot easily get the financing that 
everywhere else can. So all of a sudden, you've got the cheap houses next to the airport, mm-hmm. but the people who you'd think would want to buy them and might be able to afford them because the price is depressed, those people no cannot can. afford them because you need to have 20% down. Right. So the federal government in some VA loans and some HUD loans are not insuring loans inside the 65 dB which means DNL, which means no more no payment or PMI, principal mortgage insurance, which means that the only loans you can get there are with 20% down. So you're saying for the most part I'm going to take yeah. these low-priced homes and make them inaccessible to the very people who might be able to afford them and who might be willing to put up with the trouble of living below the plains. Uh, I mean, here's why this is dangerous. I was just having a conversation with a friend the other day about redlining. Some people don't know what redlining and redlining is kind of like a basis of systematic racism where certain areas of towns were considered a red zone or loans or places that would not get home loans, which kind of over time, you know, a home is like one of the ways that you based your equity and how you build equity mm-hmm. in your in your home and some people were denied those typically people of color this was in like the 1920s and 30s that that happened this sounds a lot like that where certain populations are denied access to loans and that is dangerous that's that creates systematic problems when we say systematic it's the government is creating those problems right oftentimes the yeah. more regulation yeah especially the kind of regulation, the additional regulation you would see in government-funded loan programs, mm-hmm. it is those very same programs that are, due to their tighter restrictions, are limiting the availability of those loan programs to the people who would need them the most. Hi. The podcast and I are now taking a, a, an official stance um, no thank you okay. is what we say to that. All right. What about ice cream? What do you say to ice, ice cream? cream? Lots of ice cream news. <laughs> I did. I even write, I maybe not the more recent. Uh, there's lots of ice cream news. We talked last month about the chocolate shop building being sold. All right. And then the new owners, uh, perhaps in a, in a not quite so smooth or classy, uh, way they locked they locked the doors, mm-hmm. uh, believing that the the lease that the uh, chocolate shop uh, tenants had was no longer valid. Um, so they were like, you know what? This is, I bought the building. It's mine. I bought the building, you're, and your le- your lease has expired. Yeah. Um, and that. Uh, but they took the ice cream and. <laughs> Idea. Well, they had at some point you have to lock the door. You don't say, "Hey, I'm going to lock you out." Could you grab stuff quick. Um, but so that so that was a little awkward in that the court mm-hmm. said, uh, "Not cool." Yeah, let them back in. Right. Uh, so they were let back. the The chocolate shop tenants were let back in. Um, but then, through the course of October, uh, it was decided that in fact the tenants did not have the current and valid right. lease that they believed they did, and that the buildings pose- the possession of the building should then transfer back to uh, Deport Properties, the uh, the new owners of the structure. Yeah. Um, now, idea the, so the chocolate shop uh, on October 26th, uh, that Saturday, mm-hmm. had a uh, free ice cream day. So they they <laughs> are leaving. They left. All right, uh, gotta go. Yeah. Try to you know that okay, classy move, nice. Mm-hmm. Little tip of the hat, tip of the hat to them for for keeping it classy. Um, we will see though. I think the real classy move, and and perhaps the 
perhaps the capitalist move and the classy move are the same here. Um, Deport Properties has been buying chocolate shop ice cream for years mm-hmm. uh, and selling it at the Merrimack Ferry. Oh, boy. Okay. So will the chocolate shop corporation allow Deport Properties to sell chocolate shop ice cream? At the Merrimack Ferry Place? Yeah. At the Merrimack Ferry Place and at the Jackson and Atwood location. Oh. It so. would be, it would in theory be a seamless transition in that the ice cream shop on Jackson called the chocolate shop uh-huh. would, would continue to sell chocolate shop ice cream. Right. But I, oh, we'll see. Okay. I wonder if, if personalities and uh, yeah, if there I, might be a little too much conflict or a little too many, too, too many uh, names called. I could see it getting dirty uh, pretty fast, and that could mean no chocolate shop ice cream. But I don't, the way you described it there, that sounds like maybe there's an open that this could still exist and still happen. It's going to be an ice area. cream shop. Yeah, it is. What kind of ice cream they sell and who will uh, put opinions aside and give... Mm. You know, one of the things that bugged me is that uh, the chocolate shop was being uh, called like the little guy. Yeah. Like, like if the big guy came in and you know, tried to stomp the little guy. Uh-huh. Um, for those of you listening, I'd, I'd, I've never looked up their revenue or anything like that, but I yeah, I wouldn't know I'm either. pretty confident that the chocolate shop is not the little it's guy. It's not the little guy in this scenario. Now, while the other one lives in, in Maple Bluff and, and just probably doors down from some of our highest price sales we talk about, right. they run a landscape company and an ice cream parlor mm. on a river. So who's the big guy? Who's the little guy? You can decide for yourself. I like ice cream. I also like Shep ice cream. Right. And they are going into receivership. Something's happening. Tell me what is You got to define what is. Uh, Receivership happens when a a company has, uh, gets upside down, owes Mm -hmm. more money than they are potentially worth. Right. And the bank steps in and assigns people to run the corporation. Okay. So it kind of says to those in charge, hey, y'all, not been doing a very good job. Uh, We are going to hire out the management of this firm. And that may mean running it to a healthier place, or that may mean uh, parting it out. Right. Closing up shop. And seeing what you can do. So I, I knew I should have paid attention to economics 101. Jennifer Street Market uh, is a is a tenant. Here right, again, the, right the neighborhood people yeah. are learning a lot about tenants' rights. Mm-hmm. They only have an annual lease, which renews every year. Is that on the same property? Is it that is, the same it, building? It is the same exact building. Oh. I don't so know convenient. if they could legally buy their portion of the building. Oh, that would require that might require some some hoops be jumped through and that and that the, the the building is literally contiguous and would require a new parcel, a new legal description, oh, a new, a, much like a condominium has to be divided interests. Right. They would literally need to legally create a section of that that could be sold off separately and then legally determine how it would be separated physically if the backside of the building or if the Shep factory were to ever be redeveloped, at what point does the responsibility of the developer start and the, and the, and the tenant or the, the shop? So lots of questions there. Why did this all come to fruition this year? It's a big year for ice cream on no Madison's kidding. east side. kidding. Wow. 
I think some people chose to live in the Jennifer Street area because of the market. I mean, it's a great neighborhood, but like the quick, the quick access, it's got the lakes, it's got the market, it's got all those things going for there it. Is a, there is a Venn diagram of, of neighborhood school attendance, <laughs> the Willie Street Co-op, yeah. and the Jennifer Street Market. If you, if you draw like a quarter mile radius circle around each of those, there is a hot spot at about the river where you are equidistant to all three. <laughs> Right. And there are a lot of people that use that as kind of the anchor for their search. Right. But, uh, all right. More news to come on that. Uh, we were talking about the cheapest and the highest. First, the lowest price sale mm-hmm. in Dane County about the last 30 days. Mm-hmm. A hundred and, and this is not that low. We've been down in the 50s, down to 30, I think right. was the very lowest. Yeah. Um, in the fall, maybe all that low, that bottom of the barrel stuff has sold. Here we are, 116k in Marshall, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Lovely Marshall. Lovely Marshall, 1,300 square foot, two bedroom. Now okay. this was a home that could be financed. It was it was financeable. It was in decent enough shape that one could just move in. Mm-hmm. But 1,300 square feet, that's that's a pretty big two-bedroom. It's a decent size house. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to bring up the next cheapest sale, because I think this is a good bookend. Um, the next cheapest sale was on Judd Street. Now, do you know where Judd is? Uh, I know a guy named Judd, but I don't know. We know a guy named Judd, <laughs> and he used to live on Anchor, which is just around <laughs> just around the corner from Judd. Okay. Uh, but Eastmoreland neighborhood, All right. not too yeah. far from St. Dennis, if you get over there behind Woodman's, uh, sure, Woodman's yeah. East. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, one uh, what were we there? Uh, uh, 134. 116K in Marshall, you get 1,300 square feet. The next cheapest sale in Dane County in the last 30 days was on Judd Street for 134. So almost 20 more. You get 655 square feet. So you get literally half the house. More than half the house. (laughs) You get half the house for about the same money. But that's the difference then between Eastmoreland and Marshall. Sure. And the other difference was condition. This house on Judd was a fixer. A 655-square-foot fixer, the the notes to the agent said, like, front door does not close. Oh, well. So so there's an indication, you know. (laughs) Usually something people expect in their house. You know, so, you know, bring a screwdriver. Sometimes they tell you to bring a a flashlight or wear warm clothes. But this is, you know, bring a screwdriver. Uh, So that's that's the cheapest sale, but a good example of, uh, of location. Right as well as condition as it relates to dollars per square foot. So not only are we buying 1,300 square feet in Marshall, but it's livable square footage, like as is, and then we're buying a fixer for twice twice the price per square foot in town, half the square footage. Yeah, well, and you could little go bit. to Marshall, you get the roller coaster park out there, too, the little, little America. <laughs> Madison's, they don't say Madison's fun in the country anymore. Oh, they, they say don't. something else. Uh, <laughs> Ride the Mad Mouse. Uh, <laughs> enjoy thing. a Coke. Yeah, enjoy, right, yeah. Because you can't do that anywhere else except on the Mad Mouse. Yeah. Highest price sale. And this was interesting because it was one that, that, uh, that, my, that my firm listed. Um, Liz, Liz Lauer, the boss lady, listed this one. Um, a William Kaiser. 
We don't, you know, we don't get pretentious, pretentious on the podcast as much as we can. Um, or as much as we can, we try not to get pretentious. Right. Yeah. Um, William Kaiser is one of those Frank Lloyd Wright adjacent architects. Uh, okay. um, you yeah. know, every time anybody like, you know, designed by a leading architect who once brushed elbows with, with Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, but William Kaiser was of that school, mid-century modern, um, this is a real outlier, though. So here we are, 1054 Woodrow, just off Monroe. There's all kinds of things about this house that off are, Monroe that are Street, super, not the city of super Monroe. unique. Uh, a two-bedroom, two-bath. So we're, we're talking about $1.35 million for a two-bedroom, two-bath home, right? 1,800 square feet. Man. But here's where it gets a little bit... So it's a big enough house, but it's, not, it's certainly not like right. some of these 7,000, 8,000 square foot places we've talked about in, in Maple Bluff. This house is uh, 150 feet of frontage on what lake, you ask? Lake Wingra. Gotta be Wingra right there. There are oh. only about... Yeah. I think I did a quick count. I believe there are f- 15 maybe private residences that have frontage on Lake Wingra. Yeah, right. I, that would... So this is, this is super cool. Um, Half the but, lake's the arboretum. I mean, right, and the it's, golf it's, course. It's, you don't get you've much. You've got the park yeah. and the and the zoo and the <laughs> right and and Edgewood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so there you go. One it listed at one point one million, and then they just put it out there and said, hey, "All right, wow. everybody." You know, they threw some chum in the water and said, "You all go have a look." Did they even need to say that it's a William Kaiser? What sold this was that it was on. Well, Lingra, th- no, the, for the, sure. the William Kaiser is what sold it. Really? Because I, I believe that. I believe that the people who bought this bought it to save it because, oh. because it is a smaller house than one would expect to be there. Uh-huh. It is on a beautiful place, and it could very well, that 150 feet of frontage yeah. and nearly an acre, you could... You could you could do anything there, right? That's but somebody mistake. wanted to see that this house, this architectural piece of our Madison history, was saved, gotcha. and was willing to put their money behind their values. one point three five million. So, right. one of the very few private residences on on Lake Wingra. A very curious set of headlines that we just checked out there. But let's talk about our guest who's coming up. Our in studio guest today is Misha Peterson. My my current. Uh, my, well, she's not my lender yet, mm-hmm. but we, we are, I'm about to, uh, we're exploring our we're lending relationship. We're going to close the deal coming <laughs> early November, just about when this episode drops or maybe about there. But, uh, so we'll be able to talk about, uh, the first time buyer and the, uh-huh. and the kind of things they are going to experience. We'll be able to talk a little bit about, um, I think we'll ask her some tough questions about. F thirty five and oh, private okay. mortgage insurance and, and how that works and, and how non conforming properties are dealt with at a smaller or local bank like hers. Mm-hmm. But right. uh, lots of interesting stuff. But first, we'll go uh, top of the hour tip, followed by a quick update on the house that Rhonda bought. Tony Island washboard she would play. She'd play it on. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. In today, with the top of the hour tip, is Rachel Whaley from the Lauer Realty Group at 2229 Atwood Avenue and online at LauerRealtyGroup.com. Take it away, Rachel. Hello. Uh, We're here to talk about um, energy. We here at Lauer Realty Group took some training with Focus on Energy, and we are now... 
energy ambassadors for Focus on Energy. What that does for you is when you purchase a home with us, we sign you up for a $125 clean and check. And after you close with us, you'll get a document from Focus on Energy along with a nice book on some energy savings tips. And it will give you the voucher for the $125 um, for that clean and check tune-up. So that will help. And we have, as we're showing your houses, we are definitely more aware of energy savings and things that you can do to your home after we did our training. And even if you didn't buy a house from us, we'd like to tell you that Focus on Energy, you can get online and sign up for a box. And in that box is you have a couple different options. There's light bulbs, uh, light bulbs and power strips, light bulbs and shower heads. There's a few different options. So you sign up there and they send you a box to help you save some money. Thank you, Rachel. That's the top of the hour tip. Top of the hour tip brought to you by Lauer Realty Group at LauerRealtyGroup.com. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Uh, ben, Rhonda's had some busy happenings as of Yeah, weeks. two episodes ago, we started to uh, talk a little bit, or at least I mentioned a feature on the Facebook page. It's going to be the house that Rhonda bought, mm-hmm. and it will be a, 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 te- a story in pictures, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I put some pictures of the house that Rhonda bought, but since then, it's been a little bit more conceptual. What are we going to do? It has been decided that she's going to build. We talked about the idea of building a panelized home, and oh, that yeah. is that is in fact going to happen. She's working with a fellow that I met in radio. Mm-hmm. When he owned the Relish Deli on on Monroe Street, the Relish Deli does the not Relish exist Deli. anymore. I think, they were right? they were yeah. selling plates of charcuterie mm. even before uh, charcuterie was, was like such a thing. Uh-huh. So Jim Lampy is now uh, a real estate agent and also the owner of Dane County Building Concepts. And he is going to build the house. First, you have to get a permit to tear things down. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they, so in order to have that, you need to have the, the uh, what are you going to build there? Right. So they're not going to let you tear something down until you say, what is, what is it? So uh, Ron is in the process of having the drawings done and some, some sketches and renderings of what it will look like from the street as well as uh, the interiors. Uh, and then there's also the timing of approvals. So mm-hmm. there's... A couple different layers of approval, so it's about a sixty-day process, which meant to have it happen yet this year before right. the ground froze yep. was going to be tough. Now you can, and these are things you can file away. You can dig through the frozen ground, mm-hmm. and you can uh, pour concrete foundations in the very cold months of the year. You can. But, I thought you couldn't. Do but that. You can, yeah. all right. but it's more expensive. Oh, so you got to heat it or something. You there's the there's all warm. kinds of there's different yeah. there's different levels of water gotcha. and different levels of aggregate and, and fancy chemicals you can add to uh, make it cure fast okay. enough. But generally, just a good idea to do that in the non-frozen. Months generally, of the year. so it's going to be cheaper to do it. Yeah. Uh, so the the timeline of the approvals, along with the uh, the cost saving of waiting till spring. Uh, made it and the, the very low holding costs mm-hmm. uh, mean that it will sit for the winter and then it will be uh, so construction yep. will begin in spring. Pick it up in the spring, just like me mowing my lawn right now. It so we have made it, we have made it our, our things to do in the short term are turn off the water because there is no heat in that home and, and there will not be for the winter. So uh, it's time to shut her down, 
and lock it up. All right. Remind me one more time the difference between a panelized home and like a modular or what 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 they're doing there. Modular actually comes in square, big mm-hmm. cubes, like not unlike a. Um, we talked about the 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 houses that pre prefabricated like a trailer yep. home. Mm-hmm. This one will come in 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 panels yep. and be put together on site. Gotcha. Kind of like Legos. A lot like a Legos. Like and Legos. a crane. And a crane. <laughs> yeah, really big Legos. So that's the update with the house that Rhonda bought. All right, let's take a break and we'll be right back with our guests. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. You can find us online at inthe608.com. My name is Adam Elliott. He is Ben Anton. We are currently joined in studio by our lovely guest today, Misha Peterson. Misha, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you here. You are the Senior Vice President and a Mortgage Loan Consultant at Monona Bank. That is correct. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank you. We realized that uh, that at episode 11... Mm -hmm. We kind of glossed over one of the very first important, like the first step. We hadn't talked about that yet. Yes. So you Uh, want to buy a house, you might need to talk to someone like Misha first. Yes. But why would we talk to somebody like Misha? I I wonder if we talked to her, you know, she's got all these qualifications. Senior vice president. I don't think they hand those out. That's that's kind of a big deal. (laughs) I bet you it's an impressive title. I bet you she's got some some, uh, experience under her belt, but... But is she fun? How would we know if she's fun? We find out if she's fun by playing a game we call The Way It Used to Be. There used to be, there used to be, there used to be, there used to be. Used to be nothing but smiling faces far as the eye could see. Car in every driveway, swinging every tree. People can't stop talking about the way things used to be. The Way It Used to Be is a get-to-know-you game, a quiz game, a sometimes Madison history and environs quiz game. But today we're going to go to Jefferson County. Mm-hmm. We're going to take we're going to take where the area code is nine two zero. Yep. For our first question, inspired by Misha's Facebook posts from the last weekend, in what country does a red door represent the fact that the owners have paid off their mortgage? Wow, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. I'm going to guess it's somewhere in Europe. You would be correct if you mm-hmm. guessed somewhere in Europe. Red door. I'm not going to ring the bell for that, though. That's a pretty... I mean, I know Europe's not a huge place, but there's a lot of countries tucked in there. <laughs> I'm going to guess Italy. Italy? Is that right? Incorrect. Scotland. Oh. Does not need to be maple red, though. Uh-huh. As we saw Misha <laughs> painted her front door. Did you paint... So you did not paint in celebration of your of paying off a mortgage that was just because you wanted it to look nice. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. Now, you that's uh, that's a thing. There are other meanings in other countries where, where a red door and there's feng shui and there's uh-huh. all kinds of things. But no, in Scotland, a red door means I've paid off my mortgage. That's interesting. So. What, what is it? I have not paid off my mortgage. No door? <laughs> <laughs> it's a right. sad, sad door. All right. So no bell for you on that one. But I'm guessing we're going to get a little closer to your home territory here with Scotland. Um, Lake Mills, chartered in 1837. Now, the village was incorporated in 1852. A little history. Did you know all this stuff? None of it. All right. In 1866, they changed the name to Tyranina. Did you know that? No. And then they changed it back a year later to Lake Mills. <laughs> hmm. Didn't like so, it, apparently. <laughs> so, all right. So, this, so there, here comes the question. What nearby historical site 
was home to a Native American tribe or tribes until about 250 years ago when they mysteriously abandoned the area. That would be Astalan, Astalan State Park. Yeah. Correct, the yeah, Astalan right. uh, State Park, and, and there's a museum. But what, what intrigued me, with in, in episode 10, we talked to Lindsey Wood Davis, uh-huh. a big big fan of the waterways, and he mentioned a tribe of the Cahokia Indians. Right. Um, the Cahokia Indians were, were, were uh, one of the Mississippian tribes, and it was at Aztlan that the Cahokia met and traded with the Woodland Indians, which would be Indians more from the northern part of the state, like mm-hmm. the Ho-Chunk and the Winnebago. So, I don't know. I just thought it tied in well. I was like, no, that no, is no, very interesting. So, there is a really neat museum and a great website. Mm-hmm. So, Google it, Aztlan, Lake Mills, all kinds of things to learn there. Uh, but, yeah, so the Cahokia and then the Mississippians... Came up the Mississippi, then Rock River, then what's the other creek that comes over? Probably the Crawfish River. Crawfish River, that's That's it, exactly. So it was Rock, it was Mississippi, Rock River, Crawfish River, and then ended up in Astalan. I think, is the lake that's right in Lake, is this called Lake Mills? It's called Rock Lake. It's called Rock Lake that's there. Mm -hmm. If I'm not mistaken, as I recall from my radio factoid days, that's one of the suspected locations for the lost city of Atlantis? There are uh, <laughs> pyramids at the bottom of yes, Rock Lake. right, because yes. they have like, discoveries that like carbon date things going way, right. way, way, way back than you would expect. Who was here first? So Curious stuff. Yeah. Always important. Right, exactly. She ain't wrong. Now we're getting far more local. Yes, there is your Yeah, pal. that was right. Good. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, Misha. Wagging yes. her finger like that. She reminded me of the of that fellow in uh, Breaking Bad. What was his the guy oh, with the chair? The gentleman, yeah. yeah she, uh, <laughs> Hector Salazar, I believe was his name. Ring the bell. Yes, All right, so we have one of two so far. And yes, so far she's fine. All right, question number three. Shank's Corners, named for the Shank and Hugel... Uh, or Shanks Grocery. We talked about that when mm-hmm. we had, I think it was our second episode, with uh, Nina, was one of our, Shanks Corners, one of our quiz questions. Mm-hmm. But you and the Monona Bank occupy the former Security State Bank. What famous architect designed the now Monona Bank location? Ooh. Oh, the co- oh, you should know this. I probably should, but I'm not sure I do. Is it Sullivan? Negative. Frank Riley. Frank Riley. Frank Riley. Oh, that does okay. kind of ring a bell. Rings a bell. Not this bell. <laughs> Shucks. But it rings a bell. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you a comeback bell ringing chance here. There are, there are two other notable Frank Riley buildings within a mile or a mile and a half of your, of your bank location. Name those two notable Frank Riley Buildings, and I'll ring the bell. Adam, I'll even let you name it. Yeah, it, I'm trying. So the Monona Bank's the one with the pillars out front, right? Pillars, right. So Originally the, the pillars. Security State Bank, yes. Yeah. So what matches those? I think you had you got an answer in Well, mind. think about I was going Misha. to guess East yeah. High School. East High School? Oh. That's ha- we're halfway there. Ooh. Yes. Oh, well Frank done. Riley designed East High School. Uh-huh. And one other certainly notable, we mentioned it's, we mentioned 
Maple Bluff earlier. I'll give you a hint there. It's in Maple oh, Bluff. Oh, can I guess the governor's mansion? The governor's mansion. Oh, well done. Good job. Frank, High fives going around. Frank Riley, uh, notable Madison architect, uh, very Georgian. Think the, the uh, Georgian is for the most part like symmetrical left to right mm-hmm. uh, with the columns and the yeah, neoclassicism. Yeah. Um, as we see at East High School, as we see at the governor's mansion, as we see at Monona Bank. Wow, well done. See, you learn stuff here. That's Here's a little saying. aside. You can take this out later, Adam, if you don't like it. The governor's mansion was not designed nor built to be the governor's mansion. No. It was built by an industrialist, Johnson, for whom Johnson Street was named, then later sold to some other guy, who then sold it to the state in 1949 for a less than $50,000. Oh. Can you believe that? In 1959, though. 50 grand. 49. 49, sorry. 49. That was probably, that's today's prices. That's what? So there you go. I just thought by Lyle, we mentioned Lyle (laughs) uh, as he was on the What Do You Know podcast. He was at the the former executive residence, was on Pinckney Street Uh uh, until 1949. Mm-hmm. And that home was just renovated at the t- to the tune of about one and a half million to be a bed and breakfast. Oh. So the original executive residence, which was not called a mansion because it was diminutive, uh, was used until mid-40s when the state bought the governor's mansion f- that already existed in Maple Bluff. How do you know? You're getting you're getting some mileage out of that architecture degree you got <laughs> today, man. All right. So there's a little bit about the way it used to be. That is the way it used to be. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about in the beginning. This is usually a time, Misha, uh, when we talk about your first home owning experience. Oh. I, not just your first home, but but... From the perspective of your of your expertise, I mm-hmm. everybody talks about you know like I've mentioned my first my first mortgage loan was an FHA loan in nineteen probably in ninety nine two thousand mm-hmm. um, seven point seven five interest. So you've been in in Fort or I'm sorry not Fort but in Lake Mills for quite some time. What did that first mortgage look like for you? Actually, my first home was out, uh, we had a Fort Atkins, Fort Atkinson address uh-huh. and uh, lived out near the Jefferson Speedway. And we bought that in oh, 1996. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my former employer at the time set me up with an 80-10-10 loan. So I, uh, something that doesn't exist anymore. Um, what was, what's the 80-10-10? What does that mean? So that means you get an 80% first mortgage uh-huh. and a 10% second mortgage. And then you put 10% down in cash. Oh. So it skirts the uh, the need for PMI, but very few lenders offer that at the present time, thanks to the mortgage meltdown. But that's the approach that we got into the home. And um, that first house was a whopping $80,000. Uh-huh. And we sold it 12 years later for double that. So that was it was a real good investment. That was. And we're going to talk a little bit about, about PMI. Um, Private, is it principal or private? Private mortgage insurance. Private mortgage insurance. And we're going to, I mentioned, we might talk about um, the influence of the F-35 and and, and Hmm. that'll come up a little bit later when you ask a specific question about it. But mortgage insurance is required on any loan Mm -hmm. where the buyer does not have at least 20% equity. 
Okay. And that is so the loan is conforming and can be sold by the local bank to the underwriters like a Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae. Mm-hmm. And, that, and they are the pseudo-governmental agency that, that uh, uh, shepherds or uh, uh, that, that cares for the mortgages once the local banks would initiate them. Right. If, if, you, if we kind of understand that as Misha will have an opportunity at her bank to initiate a conforming loan and then after that, the loan itself kind of floats off to, to the to Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae. Okay, so there's a lot of things happening. How important is that to the buyer to understand that process of like who's involved and what what cards are kind of moving around the table? Does the buyer need to know the detail of all those things? And I would say, I would say we have a we have a light conversation about it, but mm-hmm. that's really in the background of what we're doing. Yeah, um, I'm really getting them from. From application through closing, and um, I think what's important is is whether we're going to service the loan, but not necessarily who the ultimate investor is. Mm-hmm. So people are interested in where am I going to make my payments? Who do I contact if I have a problem? Sure. Um, not as much is my loan owned by Freddie Mac or Fannie Mae or some other big mm-hmm. nationwide investor. Right, and yep. servicing is far more important to the buyer because that's who they're that's who they're going to write the check to. Yep. Right, that, and, and that seems, and who's gonna and who's yeah. who's gonna be handling your es- if you're escrowing taxes or if you're right. getting your more if yeah. your mortgage or your uh, homeowner's insurance is annually coming out of that escrow, mm-hmm. where where does that money sit? Who am I talking? If I have a problem, who do I call? And and yeah, and sure. Monona is going to be one that services their own loans, so that they don't they don't hold it, but they service it. It's the time of the program where we get a little market update. Market update comes to us as a service of and from an agent at the Lauer Realty Group, 2229 Atwood Avenue and online at LauerRealtyGroup.com. In with us today, Rachel Whaley. Oh, here to talk about this fall market. It's November and our inventory is more full than it was in the spring. Houses are sitting a little bit longer. Prices are starting to fall, which means... It's a good time to be a buyer. It's also a good time to be a buyer that has a house that they need to sell in order to buy because the competition's a lot lower. Um, sellers are probably a little more willing to take any offer that comes to the table, even if it has a subject to sale. Now, for that house that you have to sell, you may need to be a little bit aggressive on your price and come in, price it right to begin with to get that sale so that you can move forward with your new house. So good time to be a buyer right now. Yeah, it's, it's a, the market's kind of just balancing itself out a little bit. All right. Thank you very much for the market update, Rachel Whaley. To you, a good day. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. He has been Anton. My name is Adam Elliott. Our in-studio guest today is Misha Peterson, Senior Vice President and Mortgage Loan Consultant with Monona Bank. Misha, it's like... If you know that you're talking to somebody local, that helps, right? Like Absolutely. That, <laughs> it's, Absolutely. It's not like I'm talking to somebody on the other side of the country or the other side of the world. Like that is a little bit of reassurance sometimes, isn't it? Absolutely. You get the feeling that, you know, you have that relationship with someone, you're talking to someone that knows you personally and is going to care and resolve your problems. Yeah. 
And I think like that carries probably a lot of weight from the perspective of the person who is going to be paying that loan because one, I need help with, <laughs> and I need to be able to talk to somebody if I have a question, right? Right. Yeah. I think people appreciate getting a live person and not necessarily going through a 1-800 phone tree yeah. uh, sometimes, you know, out of state or even out of country. So, yeah. And, and it's, and you, it's an opportunity to learn as much or to understand as much of it as you'd care to, I suppose. And that, and that comes back to the, well, the people don't really care who, who, who owns the loan, who mm-hmm. services the loan. But, you know, if you cared to learn or if you wanted to go further and drill down and understand other aspects of the, of the loan or why or the, or the hows, you know, it's far easier to understand that and to ask questions like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I use the word conforming and non-conforming, and that's, and I'd like to just touch on the idea, of, or the, so people understand that not all loans are conforming, and that doesn't necessarily mean you can't get one. Um, we talk a lot about the condition of a home, and that often the condition in some of our, especially when we, we feature like the lowest price sale of the last 30 days, um, the condition of those homes is often as such that it is not financeable. And that doesn't mean that one could not borrow money to buy it at all, but it means that you can't get it with a conventional loan. And those conventional loans are the ones that then can be sold as commodities for the most part, or, or sold to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Mm-hmm. And then I, my understanding is that, it is those numbers that, you know, once there's, what's the word I'm looking for? They're conglomerated there. Packaged or bundled. Packaged or bundled. Mm -hmm. And then those loans, because they are known to meet certain standards, can then be sold as investments and commodities and traded and things like as such. those little dumpy houses on Lake Koshkanong that were only $50,000 with the roof falling in, you're not going to be able to package those loans. Because they don't meet a set of Because they don't meet the standards, they are non-conforming. Could a bank like Monona give someone with the right financial picture, could they loan them money to buy a house like that? Oh, Absolutely. Frequently, those types of situations will take the form of a renovation or construction loan um, where there is money initially to acquire the property, but then also some additional funds to get the house shaped up so that it can eventually become a conforming loan. Right. And the the difference there is that loan is not only going to be serviced by Monona, but it is what is called, correct me if I'm wrong, but a portfolio loan or one that is that is completely within the, like it is, it is the bank doing with their own money as they see fit. That is, that is correct. All right. And that, and I think that's important for people to understand what, if we were seeing renovation, but we're, we're not seeing a whole lot of renovation financing, um, on these low priced houses because more often the people buying them are able to use things like lines of credit, or, or leveraging other properties so that when the sale is recorded, it shows up on the MLS as a cash sale. That doesn't mean that they literally, as, as we joke sometimes, show up with a, an envelope or a, a briefcase brief with of money. Cash. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> but 
understanding your financial picture, I was just, uh, Misha is working with, uh, with Jeannie and Jason, and I won't tell too many tales outside of school here, but they are looking at a property that, that is non-conforming in every way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is a rural property. It has, uh, it does not have its own well. It has two different septic systems. It has a residential structure that is in a condition that it would not meet, uh, would not meet the criteria for a conforming or conventional financing. And then it also has a gigantic barn, just as awesome, awesome barn. The big red barn, okay. Um, a, 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 an oak-framed barn that has been has been carved up into three or three to five, depending on how you look at it, apartment units, but still has its its central core, th- you know, a couple thousand square feet in this in this main uh, gambrel covered uh, space. But that is not a house that you can just like get a loan for because it is a mess. And and we are talking. I just met with them this evening, and we were talking about using their own home as an opportunity, if they leverage their own home to the hilt, they could maybe have just enough money to make a cash then offer on this giant place out in the country. Um, or some combination of those things, you liquidating liquidating uh, savings or investments and then using a home equity to do the other. But, um, but it is that same idea that we could end up with, and this is where we go over to the F-35s. In other markets where the F-35s have created areas where there are residential homes inside the 65 decibel DNL, that's day-night level, or the average, average noise level, HUD and the VA have rescinded the ability to get PMI inside those areas. So, so that sounds sounds like not everybody knows that, and I think that alone, that is the that is the thing for me. If it's going to be loud, okay. If it's you want to yell freedom, great. I'm not against the war machine. It's a problem. There's all kinds of things that aren't right about it, but that is the single issue that I think could turn any could turn that 65 decibel DNL into, for lack of a better words, a, a slum. So what does that mean to you when you understand when you hear that there's the no PMI thing is happening? So that means that those homes can only change hands to buyers that have twenty percent or more down. Exactly. And so you know, then it it ex- it excludes people of lower means mm-hmm. or it creates a higher concentration of rental properties because then it becomes an investor area. Um, and uh, I think those are those are potential negatives for sure. State in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. You can find us on Facebook at In the 608. My name is Adam Elliott. Across the table from me is Ben Anton. And our in-studio guest today is Misha Peterson. Misha, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. We got, we got into a heady topic there. We did. Uh, you, you treaded water with us, so congratulations. <laughs> uh, Misha, you're the Senior Vice President and a Mortgage Loan Consultant at Monona Bank, the cool bank with the pillars. That's right. On the east side of Madison. Um, what are, Does it have a clock? I'm sorry. Does it have a clock at it's, the top? 
It does. It does have a clock. It and a clock. sometimes it tells time. Sometimes <laughs> it's, a, it's it's correct twice a day. It's because uh, it does have it does have the uh, Back to the Future appearance it every does. once in a while, especially at Christmas time when they get all they decorate it so nice at Christmas. It's just very old timey, very can, Rockwell. Can we talk about parking a DeLorean out front at all times for the bank? You think that, <laughs> that would be amazing. Do you have access to a DeLorean? <laughs> I don't, but it would look good. We'll try and put something together. If, if people don't know where I am and I say, you know, it looks like the Back to the future bank they just they you know. they they get it they you snap know. right too yeah so those people who are talking to you and coming in to say, where they say it's the back to the future bank what are the what's the like one of the most common questions that they're coming to you with i think the biggest question people have is well one am i ready now mm-hmm. or are there things i need to do first and then two how much can i spend what can i afford mm-hmm how important, so I did this earlier this year. We were talking about uh, earlier the, ho- the house that Rhonda uh, built. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a house that I was actually checking out. I was like, hmm, maybe I should get into this game. I went out and I got a pre-approval letter. letter. How, like, talk about that process a little bit. Do you do those things? And, like, what, what does that mean? Um, I think that's absolutely imperative, especially, uh, like, in a spring market when it's... Um Screaming busy, and you're one of many, many offers. You want to have a pre-approval letter, and uh, I think that just makes you so much stronger. What essentially? What What does that mean if you have the pre-approval letter? Then so that really means As the buyer. That is so that really means that you've been checked out. That you've uh, met or talked with me, and we've gone through your employment income assets credit, and really made sure that you're going to be a qualified buyer, and that you're writing a strong offer, and that the deals going to go through because the seller doesn't want to accept an offer and wait 30 days to find out that you're not qualified. Our in-studio guest is a senior vice president and a mortgage loan consultant with Monona Bank, Misha Peterson. We talked about the pre-approval. That's probably the first thing that you do, right? Absolutely. What's the second thing you do then? Then I send people out shopping with... Go uh, shopping! With, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Go <thing>. shopping. <laughs> yeah. So typically I'm hearing from people to give that property-specific letter and then um, just letting them know when they have an accepted offer, we're going to need to get back together and do the formal application. There's some disclosures to do. Um, and at that point, then we get rolling with appraisals and things. So we've written an offer. What's a re- what would you say is a, is a reasonable amount of time to go from accepted offer to closing if there's a financing contingency in there? What do you like to see as the lender? I would say a 30-day financing contingency is a very comfortable number. We can certainly turn it around faster if it's a competitive situation or... You know, the seller needs a very, very quick closing, but 30 days is very reasonable. It continues to be very busy, so appraisals are taking slightly longer than than they maybe normally would. And then, um, you know, closing 10 or 15 days after that is is quite reasonable. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know, right? Right. How do I know if I'm okay to get a loan? It's like, say, uh, you know, I, I kind of know what my finances look like. How do I know if I'm going to qualify? You really need to sit down with a with a mortgage originator and um, have that discussion about what's what's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, again, well, review your credit, review your um, employment history, look at your uh, debt to income ratios, and just see see where you sit. Mm-hmm. And that can give you a expectation 
of like what you can hope to buy. Right, right. So coming out of that meeting, and again, within a day or two, we're going to set forth um, probably what the best loan program is for you, what sort of purchase price you're speaking of, what sort of down payment capacity you have, and then also making sure that that monthly payment fits in your budget, which I think is a huge is a huge point. People should make sure just because you can qualify for a certain size loan doesn't make it a good idea. Yeah. Some folks, friends of mine, I won't call out names. I'll ask them, what's your monthly budget look like? And they'll say, what monthly budget? I don't pay attention to those things. Sure. <laughs> good, for, good for you, Adam. <laughs> I don't pay attention to those things. You don't. No, no but I... But I, I don't know. I get by. Um, <laughs> when you make when you make a different amount of, of money every month, I just I like I, changes, I just don't. Right. How, what's my budget? Not much. That's really what how I operate. It's not much. I go into Misha, and she she said, "Good good work, Ben. You hardly you don't have any debt except all those mortgages." And that's how I operate. Like I you know just how what's those my budget? Are, those are good debt, right? Those are good because debt. they're backed by real estate. Everyone, I like you. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. Uh, ben Anton is right across the table from me, and our in-studio guest is Misha Peterson with Monona Bank. Uh, Misha, you've been doing what you do for some time. I have. You're pro. You've got your 10,000 hours in, right? <laughs> and, then, and then some. <laughs> and then some. Why? Why do you do it? Oh, God, I love it. Um, I think it's really about just helping people get to that first house and then their subsequent house. It's, it's an amazing job. It's, it, very, it's very rewarding. It's, it's really making like that personal connection. I mean, we draw the house we live in, the things that we do, they can you know, uh, pivot a lot upon whether or not uh, we can afford to do these things. And when you can make that happen, that's got to feel good. It sure does. Yeah. A lot, a lot like what I, I get to do is like we get to insert ourselves into, okay, people that are buying a house, it's usually a pretty happy time. These people right. are, yeah. these people are like not like down and out and thinking about divorce and, you know, like, like there are these like acquisitive taking steps, moving forward stages in their life and, and, and you get to be like a part of that just for that little bit. And then, and then, and then you, they move on and, and then they have babies and do all kinds of things. And you probably get to be their friends on Facebook and you learn it like, Oh, wow, look at that. Oh, like I was part of that. Um, but that, that's That's totally why. And I mean, and sometimes, you know, we, we, we have to be there when things aren't great too, but you know, like the, the, the fact that we were there for the whole time mm-hmm. just makes it, makes it work better. makes everybody win. There's impact to be had on people's lives here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you do a good job, you might get to do it again in a few years down the road. So if you do it right. Or if interest rates drop enough, you can just call them back even regardless of what job you did and say, hey. Yeah. Let's should we spend a minute on that. Yeah. I mean, speaking of which, are interest interest rates good right now? Should I refinance? Interest rates are fantastic. Yes, we are in the midst of a little refi boom right now. And people have been taking advantage of the lower rates. Uh-huh. So let's let's just set, let's give give everybody homework. Uh, we talked last last episode. I said, Adam, you should check, and he checked, and he's not that far off. I, he was he was lower than I thought he would have been. But if if someone's paying their mortgage this month and they're old fashioned like I am, and they get out the statement and their paper and pen, what's the, and the interest rates right there? If it is higher than what, they should call you up. 
I would say if your rate is much higher than four and a half, you should be giving your lender a call, maybe even four. It depends on the loan term. Um, 15-year rates right now are down around 3%. So mm-hmm. if you're uh, if you have a higher rate, it might be an opportunity to to drop from a thirty year to a twenty or a twenty to a fifteen, um, and again thirty year rates are in the neighborhood of three point seven five. So they can definitely vary based on your equity and your credit score. But um, you know if you're much over four percent, it's worth a phone call. Phil, Phil, Phil's phone in. Uh, it's time time. Phil's phone in. Phil is my business partner in Deacon Housing, president of Madison's Blimling and Associates, a dairy commodities consulting firm, a division of Dairy.com. Keeping an eye on the far away and diverse markets is what he does. Seeing how it might affect real estate here in Madison is what he does for fun. Here he is with a look beyond the 608. Hey Ben, it's Phil with a view from beyond the 608. I apologize for any background noise today. I'm actually recording this from the airport in Las Vegas. I'm waiting for a flight home after giving a speech here this morning. We're at the time of the year where I'm happy to take speaking engagements in warm weather locations for what I presume are obvious reasons. I'm always thinking about real estate. When I'm in places like Las Vegas, I wonder, how hot's the housing market here? I took a look. The answer is fairly warm. Home prices here are up 3.5% year over year. One of the reasons that Vegas is popular beyond the warm weather is that prices here are still relatively cheap compared to elsewhere in the Southwest where people are looking to escape. For example, here, the average home is at $169 per square foot. That's lower than Phoenix at $174, Dallas at $206, Austin at $223, and certainly San Diego at $469 per square foot. For comparison purposes, Madison's at $171. So people are coming here for warm weather, bargains, and I presume a little bit of fun. That's all for now. I'll see you back in the cold weather in the next few days. Until then, this is Phil with a view from beyond the 608. You're listening to Real Estate in 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears online at inthe608.com. My name is Adam Elliott. He is Ben Anton. Our in-studio guest today has been Misha Peterson, uh, Senior Vice President. That's such a cool title. Thank you. i got to get a title like that someday. Do you want to be Senior Vice President? I can, can I be Senior Heck Vice yeah. President of Real Estate in the 608? You got it. Done. Done. Look at that. What Can I talk about benefits and packages that come with that title? Next month. It's Christmas. Next Misha. month is a Christmas episode. <laughs> we'll talk about your benefits. Oh, good. Misha uh, Peterson is the Senior Vice President and a Mortgage Loan Consultant at Monona Bank. It has been wonderful talking with you today. Misha, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how would they best go about that? I think they should give me a call or shoot me an email. Is it MononaBank.com? That is our website. You bet. If they, I bet you if they Google Misha, M-I-C-H-A, Will they find your smiling face? Oh, most definitely. Next to the Back to the Future <laughs> <laughs> clock tower. Definitely. <laughs> and you've been working, now you work with Monona for how long? Uh, it's been 24 years. 24 years and on Atwood for six? six? Coming up on six. It's going to be six because it was just the fifth Atwood Fest at Monona Bank. Proud spot. I hope will remain proud sponsors forever. Oh, he's leaning on you, Misha. He's leaning on <laughs> But thank you, Misha, for visiting us here on the uh, on the mezzanine level at 182 Jackson Street. It has been educational today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> 
You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears in the 608 on Facebook is where you will find us. Ben, what was that? That was episode 11. Yeah. That's we... damn near a year. <laughs> damn near. Damn near a year of of our first year, inaugural mm-hmm. year of uh, of real estate in the 608. Yeah, we've got we're at a decision point where you have to decide does the series continue or do we go into a second season? See, the second season aspect is something big that you can promote. I'm going to make I'm going to make an executive decision right now. Uh-huh. I haven't even talked to you about this. Oh boy. I'm the senior vice president as you recall from this senior, episode. Senior senior vice president. <laughs> um, there will be something for you our listening audience in December. But it's not going to be a full episode. All right. It's going to be something special. Something special. A holiday treat. A holiday treat for say. you in December. And then we will return in January with a second season. A sparkling new. A sparkling new season. Season two. Of Real Estate in 608. All right. We're going to have to work on our... Uh, uh, did our... you did you check the, the Drive folder today? Because uh, there are no. clues. Oh. There are clues in the Google Drive folder as to what special things we may be offering in December. All right. Well, special things that were offered on the podcast today was from Misha Peterson. Misha Peterson, Minota yeah. Bank, Senior Vice President uh, and Loan Consultant at Minota Bank, the woman helping me buy uh, my new house on Main Street. So I think maybe one of the best tips that came out of that today was like, you got a current loan right now and you're over 4%. It's time to give her a call and yeah, talk about if you, refinancing. If you're thinking right? about 15 years, if you can be at 15 years, she can do a lot better than four. If you're at 30 years, she can do she can do a lot better than four and a half. Yeah. So those are kind of the two thresholds. Uh, but she's not just. But refinancing is just a small part of what she did. We talked a little bit. We talked quite a bit about conforming or non-conforming mm-hmm. loans, right. um, and the way that those loans. Um, are applicable in different in different areas and different conditions. We talked about houses that people get cash for, or if they can, or if they can't. People who can who can uh, who can fit in the box, or people mm-hmm. who can't. And we talked about the potential impact of the F thirty fives. Spent quite a bit of time on the F thirty fives. My my opinion uh, as it relates to that has has, mm-hmm. has become concrete, and it for the most part the the Lynch pin mm-hmm. is the lack the potential lack of private mortgage insurance mm-hmm. being available to houses within that 65 decibel DNL. Yeah, and I mean without knowing the tons of the ins and outs here, that sounds highly problematic. That one thing could yeah. change the character of those neighborhoods significantly. And it could it could it could be it could take money out of people's pockets. All right. Uh, let's talk about the newsletter. The, the newsletter. The, the, the text version, you could say, of this podcast. The text version is the 22nd, 22nd read, a podcast for your eyes. Mm-hmm. Delivered on the 22nd and written in easy-to-digest segments, taking no longer than 20 seconds to read. I like the easy-to-digest part of that. This last episode was interesting in that there were photos mm-hmm. of my sewer pipe. And that's kind of the fun. So we have there's yeah. a top there's a little bit of a market update, uh-huh. uh, some home ownership tips, uh, and then some recap of the podcast a little bit as well as uh, I've been queuing up Phil's phone in. Mm-hmm. So if you 
this last uh, episode 10, that was that was some meaty stuff. Episode 11, mm-hmm. performing again. Uh, but you want to hear that mid-month? You're going to get it in the 22nd, 22nd read. If you visit In the 608 on Facebook, you may click, sign up, and uh, and you'll be signed up for that fantastic newsletter. All right, let's say some thank yous. Uh, thank you, of course, uh, first and foremost to our guest that was in studio today, uh, Misha Peterson with Monona Bank. Uh, she's fantastic. A lot of great info there. I would like to thank Monona Bank for the snacks that they have out because I was in there the other day. Where are the snacks? And there was some <laughs> apple. There was like apple crumble bars. Oh, in there. Uh, okay. And then there was some cookies that they had out. Now they and they also uh, root beer. They have root beer on tap. What? Right there in the lobby. Why did Misha in not the, bring us in any the apple lo- snacks? In the, in the Georgian lobby of oh. Frank Riley and his architecture, now oh, featuring know. the uh, half barrel of root beer. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. I think, can, think I can just pop in there and grab a root beer. Yes. <laughs> yes, you they're, can. They're cool with that? Of course. You're one of the family now. <laughs> Let's also thank some of the musicians you've been listening to uh, throughout the podcast today. Red and Claw, Bob Westfall, Asterix. What's, I'm putting an asterisk the there asterisk on him because now? because of the special holiday treat. Oh, okay. Bob Westfall asterisk. Mm. Jug band, nice tease. The Mad City Jug band and Seesaw, of course, who've been playing like uh, crazy this, oh, this fall. They are like they're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah, I think you can still see them live this year. And hey, uh, and congratulations, Melissa and Caleb, the recently wed. Oh, uh, uh, Seesaw. One on the left. Oh, yeah, yeah. Recently wed Melissa. Congratulations. Hey, Ben. Good show today. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Come on, baby. Won't you hold me tighter than your fists curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby. Won't you keep me safer than that high score on that pinball game? You're always playing at your Baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather be. And we could be. Waiting here all day 
long and so I'm singing you this waiting song.